we have a hard time with silence. If you don't believe that, try to get in your car and drive and not turn the radio on. I mean, you'll listen to the radio even if it's talk radio. I mean, you'll listen to something. You don't, you don't like the, that, that silence. And, except ladies, you talk on the phone. And um, by the way, I, I, I go to the gym at 6 in the morning. So I'll see women talking on the phone. Who are you, I mean, how many people know people in China? Who else is up at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? But we don't like silence. We don't like that fact that I'm alone, I'm by myself. We like activity. We like busyness. But as we talked about last week, busyness the busyness that we're involved in all the time, it destroys intimacy. And it's because if you're busy, there's no time for communication. If you're busy all the time, there's no unstructured, uh, unrushed time. If you're busy, nobody ever really gets your undivided attention. You're just busy, 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 busy. And as we talked about, those are things that are all essential if you're going to be involved in an intimate relationship, whether it's an intimate relationship with your Heavenly Father or an intimate relationship with the people that God has placed in our lives. We also talked about the fact that often behind the, uh, behind the there's something that's driving our busyness. And if we can't get a handle on what that is, if we can't identify it, we're never going to be able to control and, 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 and understand where our busyness is coming from. Often it's a fear. It's a fear of something. Uh, a fear. I have to be busy or I won't advance the way I want to advance in my career. I have to be really, really busy or, or you know what, maybe I'm going to disappoint someone. Or I grew up poor and I don't want to be poor again, so i got to be really, really busy. i got to work as hard as I can to make sure I'm not poor again. Or you know what, as busy as I am, I need to be busier because if I don't do this, it won't be done right. And so we're busy, 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 busy. We're busy people. By the way, doesn't it irritate you when someone comes up to you and says, why are you so busy? Doesn't that drive you nuts? And they'll say something, why don't you just relax? Why don't you just chill? See, somebody says that to me like, I will chill you. I will knock you out. That's, you know, see, it just, it just irritates us and we think things like, you know what? If you had my responsibilities, if you had my schedule, if you had the deadlines that I had, you would be busy too. We, we're just busy people. And let me just say this. When I talk about being busy, I'm not saying that you can't have a lot to do in your life. I'm just saying that when your busyness, your activity spins out of control, there's not gonna be any intimacy in your relationships in life. And I think one of the main reasons that we're so busy is because often, you know, we work in an environment that just rewards busyness. I mean, let's face it, we get our raises, we get our promotions based on the fact that we are willing to do so much stuff. I mean, what's the old saying? If you want something done, get somebody who's busy, they will do it. And so we're used to getting promoted. We're advancing our careers. We, we get those bonuses because we're so busy and so we get to the point we never, ever say no. That's the culture of the marketplace. It rewards busyness, so it's kind of ingrained in us. By the way, that's not true just in the marketplace. It's also true at church. I have some staff that love, and they, and they do this in subtle ways. They love to let me know how busy they are. They love to let me know how often they had to work into the evening. They love to tell me that. They love to know, even though their team is understaffed right now, that they're working busy, and busy, they're busy, 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 and they're working harder than ever, and it's because there's just this tendency to get rewarded if you're busy. That's how you advance. That's how you get ahead in life. And we talked about that last week. So what's the solution? I promised you if you came back, we would talk about the solution. Well, this weekend, we're gonna look at a passage where Jesus, he addresses this dilemma. And, and we're gonna read something in just a minute. And, and when we read this together, something inside of you is going to say, I am so sure, really, live that way. Maybe in another life, you know, on another planet, right? Jesus just doesn't understand. See, Jesus, he didn't have a mortgage. Jesus, he didn't have kids to go to college. 
Jesus didn't have to worry about retirement, right? What we're going to read from our perspective now on planet Earth living in 2014, it seems so unrealistic. And I guess the only reason I take it seriously is because of who said it. Because here is a man who had more to do in less time than all of us put together. Here's a guy who had the most important mission of any person who has ever lived, and he didn't have a whole lot of time to accomplish his mission. Think about it. He only worked three years, and then he kind of moved into retirement, right? So you know what I'm saying? Here's a guy who never traveled more than walking distance from his home. But here we sit 2,000 years later still talking about him. Half the world believes that he is the Son of God. But if you read the Gospels, this is what you'll discover. You'll discover that Jesus took his own advice. In other words, what he tells us to do about the importance of priority and having that intimate time with God, what he tells us to do, you see that he did. And you know what? As a result, he accomplished more than all of us put together. So for that reason alone, I think we need to take what we're about to read very, very seriously. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6. If not, we'll put the verses up on the side screen. Uh, you can download the Get Hope app onto your smartphone, and there's a message placed there where it would have the verses. You can take notes. But Matthew chapter 6, very familiar passage, beginning in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. We've heard that in entire lives. It probably is a better translation. In fact, your Bible might read mammon. Literally, it says in the Greek, you cannot serve God and your stuff at the same time. One of them has to take priority. Then he goes on to say, Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry or be distracted, right? Don't be distracted about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. And you can almost hear the music coming in like a Disney movie, and the birds chirping in the background. You know, Jesus, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now understand, he's talking to a first century crowd. In those days, they didn't have refrigeration. So having food for the day, that was a very, very big deal. I've been to the Central African Republic you know, we're back when, the, when, the, when it was the poorest country on the planet and the average annual income was $240 a year and 99% of their day was spent, will I get one meal today? It was very similar in the first century around Israel. It was, it was a time of poverty. They were being squashed by the, by the, by the boot of Rome. And so, you know, having, having a meal for the day, that was a big, big deal. And often, they only had one change of clothes. They would wear those clothes until they would rot and wear out, and then maybe they would get something new. See, we don't, we don't worry, if we're honest, we don't spend a lot of our energy during the week worrying about where, where's our food going to come from? Are we going to have clothes to wear? But this would be like Jesus saying to us, hey, listen, don't worry about your boss. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about your mortgage. So when Jesus says to these people, don't worry about food, don't worry about clothing, understand he is addressing issues that are very, very critical to their life, to their existence. And he's going, hey, don't worry about all that stuff. Look at the pretty birds, you know. Kind of like a hippie from Chapel Hill. Kind of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of got that feel going on here. And then he says in verse 28, And why do you worry about your clothes? 
See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. In other words, Jesus says, that's how the people act. They don't even believe there's a God. Verse 32, for the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Okay? If my heavenly Father knows that I need them, but I'm not supposed to worry about them, what am I supposed to do? Verse 33, here's, here's the solution. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. There you go. There's a solution. We can pretty much pray and go home, right? You wish. You wish it was that simple, right? This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, do you want to eliminate the, the busy, 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 rush, rush, rush from your life? It's very, very simple. Just reprioritize your values. In other words, this, this is what Jesus was saying then. Food is important. Clothing is important. Shelter is important. God is important. Now, what's the most important? Or maybe he would say to us, hey, your job is important. Pleasing the boss is important. Paying your mortgage is important. God is important. What's the most important? In other words, in your life, what's going to be on the top shelf? It's, it's not a matter of what's important. All of these things are important. You cannot ignore these issues. The question is, what are you going to seek first? What's going to be the most important thing in your life? In other words, I think Jesus is saying this. The way to not be so busy isn't by trying to not be so busy. The, the, the way to, to stop being busy isn't just getting to the point where you can say no to things. The way to stop being busy is to get to the place in your life where you begin to say yes to your heavenly father. And in saying yes to your heavenly father, you allow him to come into your life and to begin to reorder and reprioritize your values. That's how you stop being so busy. That's how you stop being so worried. That's how you stop being so distracted. That's how we stop frantically chasing all the things that somehow the world has convinced us that we have to be frantically chasing. In other words, I think this is what Jesus is saying. He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to find a new guiding principle that you recalibrate your life to. We basically have to decide this. This is what's most important. This one thing, this is what's most important. And in light of what's most important, I am going to reprioritize and reorganize my life, everything in my life, in order to keep that one thing that's the most important thing the number one thing. And Jesus says right here, it's real simple to do that. He says, if you will just learn to seek my kingdom first, that will automatically begin to reprioritize all of your values. And at the end of the day, when everything is said and done, you will get everything done that needs to be done, and you'll do it without sacrificing your intimacy with your Heavenly Father, and you'll accomplish everything you need to accomplish without sacrificing intimacy with the people that God has placed in our lives. In other words, Jesus doesn't come along and just simply say, stop worrying. 
He doesn't come along and say, just say no. He says, it's about saying yes to your heavenly father. It's about getting up every day and beginning your day by saying yes to your heavenly father. And he says, if you will do that, you will find it much easier to say no to the things that are going to interfere with your intimacy with him and to say no to the things that are going to interfere with your relationship with the people that God has placed in your life. So you got to understand, busyness isn't the problem. Busyness is just a manifestation of the problem. Here's the problem. The problem is misprioritized values. I mean, food, shelter, clothing, work, boss, school, education, all important. But Jesus says, if you can get to the place where you'll begin to put first things first, if you'll seek my kingdom first, it is amazing what will happen in all of those other areas that you feel are so important. Let me put it another way. If we're honest, everybody here is seeking something first. Everybody. You're seeking something first. And when that thing comes up, whatever it is, okay, when it comes up, when it enters the conversation, when it comes into your mind, everything else drops to second place. And if you're here and you don't know what you're seeking first, ask your spouse. Your spouse knows what you're seeking first. If you're single, ask a close friend. They know what you're seeking first. See, it may be a mystery to us, but all of us are seeking something first in our lives. Some of you, you're seeking first approval. You want people to look at your career, look at your job, look at the passion that you approach your job, and you want them to say, I am so impressed. Wow, good job. You're my role model. See, that's what drives you. That's what gets you out of bed on Monday. That's what gets you motivated every day. It's what you're seeking first. Some of you are seeking first money. In fact, you can't even pay attention right now because you're thinking about the markets. It's all about money. I mean, don't get me wrong, you love your kids, right? You love your spouse, you love God. But if it has anything to do with making money, all of a sudden it has your undivided attention. That's what you're seeking first. Some of you seek organization. You just like things orderly, you like things structured. Laura Laura can take chaos and in a few minutes turn it into order, except for her closet. If you could just pray for her in that area, okay? She could very easily seek that first. For some of you, it's advancement. It's all about climbing the ladder and obtaining your goals. For some of you, it's making a name for yourself. For some of you, it's education. For some of you, it's closing the deal. I mean, you love closing the deal. You love seeing it come together. It's almost a drug for you, the rush that you get from it. My point is, there are a lot of good things that you may be involved in. Now, here's the problem. They're good things. The problem is you're seeking them first. And Jesus is like, well, I'm glad you like to make a lot of money. I actually gave you that gift. Jesus is like, hey, I came up with this idea of organization. I'm all for it. It just can't be the first thing. Because, see, if it's the first thing, there's a fatal flaw. Here's the fatal flaw. With all of those good things I just mentioned, Think about it. There is no finish line. I mean, when do you finally have enough approval? Because after all, you have no control over what the people around you think of you. 
And because you have no control and you can never really get there, you're constantly seeking, 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 seeking more approval. When will I finally be accepted? When will I finally be acknowledged for who I am and what I can do, what I bring to the table? When do you ever get in bed and say, honey, we have enough money. You can relax. You don't do that. You don't do that because you don't know what's going to happen next year. What's going to happen to the markets? you got to always keep your options open. you got to pursue, pursue, pursue. It's interesting. I was together with some of the staff guys the other day, and these are younger guys that I'm kind of hanging out with and trying to get their perspective on life and ministry and trying to help them understand the history of hope and how we move for the future. And so just a kind of a sharing of life together. And we were talking about this weekend's topic, and I, and I asked this question, how do you know when you have enough money? When is enough money enough? And Jason was there, who's the Raleigh campus pastor. You saw him earlier. He he said, you know, we had this discussion in our small group, and we basically came to the conclusion, it's about 20 to 25% more than what you have. So whatever you have, if you just had about 20 or 25% more, then you would have enough money, right? Joe, who works in our communications department, said, hey, $5 million. When you got $5 million, you're good. And I'm like, well, you're going to be frustrated your whole life because you work for me. I mean, that's just, that's, 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 that's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Now, let me just say something. Again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with seeking money. If some of you didn't seek money and generously give your money, we wouldn't be able to do what Hope Community Church does. Nothing wrong with seeking money. It just can't be the first thing in your life. Because if you're seeking at first, there is no finish line. You're constantly seeking, 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 pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And eventually it's going to begin to minimize the more important thing in your life. There is no finish line with organization. I mean, I know that from experience. About time we finally get our org chart figured out here at Hope, we outgrow it. I mean, it is just a never-ending cycle. There is no finish line with the big deal because the adrenaline and the rush that gets you through the big deal says, man, I gotta have one more, but if I could just get one more big deal closed. It is, it is a never-ending cycle. All of these things are good things. All of them, they're a reflection of the image of God in us. But you got to understand they are terrible things to seek first because there is no finish line. So Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 6 and says, listen, I'm not against food. I'm not against shelter. I'm not against clothing. I'm not even against money. But if you seek those things first, you are going to drive yourself insane because there is never enough. You will never reach the finish line. So Jesus says, let me make it easy for you. And this is, what he, he, this is what he promises, and this is why it works. He says, if you'll just seek me first, just put me on the top shelf of your life. If you will seek me first. In other words, if, if my relationship with you becomes your priority, and if you will allow me, if you will allow me as Jesus, the one who died on the cross, so you could be reconciled back to God and go to heaven when you die, if you would allow me, to reorder and reprioritize your life, Jesus says, this is what will happen. I will bring healthy limits to your business. I will come into your life and I will help you establish some healthy boundaries. I'm not even gonna try to make you not want more money. I'm not gonna try to make you not want more approval or, or to be more organized. I'm not gonna try to make you not want to close the next big deal. I'm just going to bring some healthy limitations because when you seek me first, 
you'll no longer cheat on your time with me. When you seek me first, without me doing anything, automatically your priorities are gonna begin to change. When you seek me first, see, you're not gonna sacrifice your intimacy with me for the sake of something deep down inside you know is never going to satisfy anyway. You're gonna seek me first. By the way, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? It's pretty simple, actually. You'll love God and you'll love other people. You'll love God and you'll love other people. You'll love God and you'll love other people and then you're pretty much free to do whatever you wanna do with the rest of your time, the rest of your energy, the rest of your money. And I understand how threatening this is. I get this, I'm a guy, right? See, this is the way we think. If, if, if I live this way, I won't get far. If I live this way, I won't make as much money. If I live this way of seeking the kingdom first, I'm not gonna progress as much as I want to progress. Let me tell you, this isn't, sitting, this isn't about sitting on your hands and doing nothing. This isn't about being lazy. If you ever wanna do some interesting reading, read the life story of Truett Cathy, the, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He took this, the, this little business and, and built it into this multi-million, billion-dollar business that is worldwide. Do you know what Truett Cathy did every Sunday, except a couple he missed here and there for vacation? What he did every Sunday for over 40 years at a Baptist church in Atlanta, Georgia, while he was building this international company, every Sunday he taught middle school boy, boys Sunday school class. Regardless of how busy, he never got so busy. He's like, I don't have time for that anymore. What happened was he sought the kingdom of God first. If you read his life story, you'll understand. This is a guy who understood this principle from day one. He sought first the kingdom of God. He allowed God to organize his priorities. And I think God was like, wow, I am impressed. You're not going to believe what we're going to do together. You see, this isn't about being an underachiever. It's not about settling for less. I mean, after all, God has given you your gifts. He's given you your passion. He's given you your leadership and your drive. It just can't be number one. Because if it's number one, you will be in endless motion. And you will cheat on your relationship with God. And you will cheat on your relationships with the people that God has placed in your life. Let's be honest. You'll cheat on your relationship with God. You know how I know that? Let's say you get too busy in your schedule. Do you go home and sit down with your wife and say, honey, I'm getting too busy. I'm gonna have to tell work I can't work as much. Mm -mm. I'm gonna have to quit my softball team. Mm -mm. Honey, we're too busy. We gotta sit down with the kids and tell them they can't do 22 different activities during the week. Uh-uh. What's the first thing you do? I got to let the church know I can't serve anymore. Or I got to drop out of my small group. I'm just going through a busy period of time. Am I right? Am I right? See? Uh, who said that? Because somebody shout, can I get a witness? Because I may go crazy if you let me. Okay. Let me try again. You get tight financially. You sit down with your wife and say, honey, we got to get rid of cable. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not with football season coming up. Mm-mm. <laughs> Honey, it's tight. We got to sell our season seats to the state game. Mm-mm. Honey, we should probably quit drinking so much Starbucks. Nope. <laughs> Honey, we got to cut on our giving. We got to pull back. 
Things are tight. Who's the first person we cheat? God. Everything comes from God. The first person we steal from is God. The first person we cheat is God. Reminds me of a joke. The scariest words my wife ever hears during my messages, it reminds me of a joke. Here's the joke. (laughs) Farmer John had a cow. Cow's name was Bessie. Went out one morning into the barn. Bessie had twin calves. Ran into the house, told his wife. He was beaming, just elated. She said, honey, what is up? She said, Bessie had twin calves. I'm going to give one to God. Next day he comes in, dejected, tear rolling out of his eye. She says, honey, what's wrong? God's calf died. See, it's always God's calf that dies, right? That's funny. That's funny. I don't care who you are, that's funny, right? That's even funny for you Yankees. That's funny stuff right there. That's how some of you treat God. When it comes to finances, God, thank you for everything you've given me. By the way, the government just took more of your part, God, so hey, you know, sorry. Somebody came up to me and said, you know what Hope ought to do to raise money? The ice bucket challenge. I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we give because Jesus Christ died on the cross so we could have salvation and be reconciled back to God and miss hell? Hey, how about that? There's an idea. Anybody ever thought of that? You know? And I know this is old school. Why don't we just do it because God told us to? Now, that's really crazy talk, right? No, it's just easier to cheat God. Take him off the top shelf. I'll put him down here about the fourth shelf. Jesus says, if you will seek me first, and if you will allow me to reprioritize your values, then all of those other things that are so important to you, they'll be added unto you. I'll give you those things. To which we respond, and this is what some of you are thinking right now, but how? Because if I don't do it, it won't get done, or somebody else will do it, and they're going to get the glory, and they're going to get the raise, and they're going to get the promotion, because, see, we think it all depends on us. And God is going, oh, wow, hello, do you think I was born yesterday? I am God, right? I can fill in the gaps. I can actually make this stuff work out. If you would just... Organize and prioritize your life around me. All of these other things that you you need. I know you need retirement. I know your kids are going to college. I understand you have a mortgage and rent. I get that. I'll make sure those things are taken care of. I am in your corner. I actually want you to use your gifts. I want you to use the talents, the abilities that I've given you. In fact, this is what I think Jesus would say. I think Jesus would say, hey, if your gift is making money, then you get out there and make all the money you can. Just make sure that it doesn't interfere with my relationship with you, with your relationship with the key people that I've placed in your life and the ministry that I've given you. If your thing is organization, you get out there and organize your socks off. Just make sure it doesn't interfere with my relationship with you, with the relationship with the people I've placed in your life and the ministry I've given you. If you love closing the big deal, you close deals until the cows come home. You just make sure that in the process, it doesn't interfere in my relationship with you, with your relationship with the people I've placed in your life and the ministry that I've given you. And I know that sounds so scary for some of you listening right now. But I'm going to tell you something. It is the only way, it is the only way out of the craziness that this world has placed us into. Because we look around and there's so much to do, right? And there's just so much that's not getting done. But I'm telling you, it is the only way to be productive on two fronts. You're seeking something first. And if it's not God, whatever it is, I guarantee you 
There is no real finish line. So there is no way out. But if you will begin tomorrow morning by carving out some time and saying yes to your heavenly father. God, I'm going to begin my day with you. I'm going to dig into your word. I'm going to allow you to speak to me through your word. I'm going to become saturated in in, in your blueprint for life. If you will make that the habit of your life, and studies tell us that if you do something every day for three weeks, it becomes a habit. If you will make that the habit of your life, you're going to find it much easier to say no to the things that will wreak havoc on your relationship with God and on your relationships with the people that God has placed in your life. But this is basically what it boils down to. At some point, you have to put God to the test. At some point, you have to trust God. You have to decide, am I willing to believe that God knows what he's talking about and I'm going to seek him for it? At some point, you've got to say, God, listen, I don't have enough time, God, to be what I need to be at work and to also be what I need to be at home. So I'm going to have to cheat somebody. So God, here's the big one. I'm going to cheat at work. Because I'm not cheating at home anymore. I'm not going to keep expecting my wife to be the one who understands. Or my kids to be the ones who understand. God, I'm going to look for somebody else to understand. And God, if they don't understand, then you're going to have to intervene, God. Because that spells trouble for me. But God, from here on out, I'm doing life your way. Because now I understand If I seek the wrong things first, if I put the wrong thing on the top shelf, I will never get it right. If I seek the wrong thing first, I will always be frustrated. So God, here we go. I'm going to seek you first. Let's pray together. Some of you right now, you you cannot even begin to comprehend that. And because part of the reason you you, you are kind of a self-made person, you've been successful. Maybe you grew up in poverty and you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, right? And you may, from a human perspective, be living the life we all dream of. But I can guarantee you this. If that is the first thing in your life instead of your relationship with God for a Christian, there's frustration, anxiety, probably depression. And then there's a lot of you here that you've never really crossed the line to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're like, that's what he's asking me to do? Seek him first? (laughs) Put him over, and that's just so threatening to you. See, this this is not an easy decision. That's why Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, it's about dying to self. Ooh. It's about picking up your cross daily and following me. Somehow we've given the false impression that following Jesus is easy. It's an incredible journey, it's an adventure, it's very rewarding. You never find the word easy. Father, I know that this is scary for a lot of us because we're, we're just afraid of what might happen if we put you on the top shelf and if we, if we seek you first. Like, what are you going to do to us? And 
I pray right now that you would help us to face our fear and to see it as really what it is. It, it is simply a lack of faith in you. Because, Father, the reality, every person sitting here right now or at any of our campuses, every one of us have more to do than we can possibly do. In spite of that, I pray that you would give us the courage to seek you first so that we can end the turmoil and the busyness that drives us. Thank you for this reminder. Help us to see, at the end of the day, you are all we need. Help us to see that you are enough. Help us to see that everything we need is found in you. Help us to seek you first. In your name we pray. Amen.